0: Podcast.
1: Hey there, Gang, Grow, uh, This is Jeff. Just wanted to take a quick minute and let you know that the annual conference for HireLogic called Superforum is, uh, is back and happening. It's October 19th through the 21st. Uh, it's a free and virtual event, and we wanted to make sure and spread the invite to all of you. It's, uh, it's going to be chock full of stuff around community, customer success, customer experience, really trying to help you all think about 2022 and make sure we can drive retention initiatives. So um, drop into the description of this episode and sign up. Welcome back to another episode of Gain, Grow, Retain. For today, we're coming to you on a Monday. And uh, I've got Sean Fleming, who is the VP of Customer Engagement over at Zendrive. And uh, entrepreneur outside of that, he's got a a very uh, busy schedule, it sounds like, after his weekend. But Sean, appreciate you you hopping in and uh, talking with with us today.
0: Thanks, Jeff. Happy to be here.
1: Uh, I like to ask a couple of questions, um, you know, just around trying to get to know you. I don't like to give you a lot of heads up on this, maybe throw out a couple of icebreaker questions. So uh, I'm going to run through maybe three quick icebreakers. We'll make it easy, painless. But uh, first one, if you were going to dominate a category on Jeopardy, besides customer success, what would that category be? You know, what would you consider yourself kind of a dynamo expert in, in terms of, of some sort of Jeopardy knowledge? <laughs> and you can make the category up yourself. It doesn't have to be one that you've seen before.
0: Science fiction movies from the eighties to, uh, early two thousands,
1: man. I like that. That's like, I like, it, yeah. uh, the time frame that you, uh, you specified too. So <laughs> I obviously then I take it that you've, uh, You've kind of binged these movies over the years.
0: I've binged them. I've memorized them. This is before there was DVRs and stuff. Uh, My cousin and I used to sit there with a tape recorder and uh, we were watching HBO or something. We would record it on a tape and use our imagination and play out the voices. We could probably recite most of the Star Wars trilogy um, just with the voices and everything. We all wanted to be a little James Earl Jones with our Darth Vader voice. And uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And my team knows this. I, as soon as you come into my team, I'm a big, uh, you know, Star Trek or Star Wars, you know, Picard or Kirk. You know, I, I just get into all that.
1: I like it. That's, uh, that's a good one. Um, I've, I've started using that question recently, and I like it uh, a lot. I actually stole it from Jay. So thanks, Jay, uh, if you're listening to Thank this you, episode. Jay. Yeah, you gave us that good question. Uh, my second question I really like to ask, this has just been one I've asked now for almost two straight years of doing this podcast. And so I just feel okay. like I have to keep it going. What is your favorite fruit?
0: Uh, you know, I really didn't have one for the longest time. But during COVID, uh, with the kids at home, they would snack on these halo um, mandarin oranges oh, all the time. And after a while, you just start, you know, we were starting to have lunch together. I never had that before. And I was able to have like lunch with my kids and and they're eating these oranges. So let me just try one. And they're just tasty. They're small. They're They're neat um you know i'm not into like messy foods and everything so this <laughs> yeah. is very neat and uh it's just convenient you know and you can juggle them
1: i uh yeah i those the like you said something small that is like so easy like normally like a, a like a regular orange it takes you so much to get the uh right. like the the skin off, off and then you like yeah. oh my gosh and then you're just like sitting there trying to, to, you know, get it out and it's just all over your head Like, I agree. Um, I'm a big fan of those, those halos too. I need to eat. I probably need to get better about eating uh, more fruit. Like during the day I've tended to resort to, uh, and, and I don't have any children yet, but I've tended to resort to uh, Cheez-Its and Goldfish, which people are like, would you have kids in the house? I'm like, no, yeah. I just, <laughs> I myself um, so I need to get back into like maybe eating something a little healthier at lunch uh, as my snack. Uh, that that was a bad COVID, uh, a bad COVID hack, you know, that maybe happened on my side. The, uh, all right. The third question, final one, we'll let you, uh, we'll let you get away is uh, if you could eat lunch or dinner uh, with somebody past or present, just one person that you call or you can make it a foursome, you know, whatever, however many people you want to add to your dinner, but who, who would that be? Uh, who would you kind of bring to lunch and dinner? And then I think the more important question is where would you have uh, that lunch or dinner? Like where's a, a place that you'd want to get back to, or go to for the first time?
0: Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, um, uh, first, uh, Barack Obama uh, would definitely, you know, love to lunch and just uh, pick his brain. I'm in, the, I'm in the middle of his uh, autobiography uh, oh, nice. right now. And uh, it's a long book. <laughs> and I was going <laughs> through it. And I'm a reader. I love, love reading and stuff. But this one's long, and I'm also have some other things I, uh, reading as well. We've Got a, kind of a book club thing going on in our company. Nice. And um, I'm in the middle of this book, and I was like, oh, I just I'm just running out of time. And a colleague said, Go with the audible. And I said, oh, but that's you know not the same. He said, It's his voice, Sean. It's his voice. I said, Oh, great advice. Uh, so, yeah, that is like, um, oh, that's I just, perfect. I, I love hearing that voice, and I could just feel like I could listen to him like you know all day. <laughs> so I would just love to sit there and just ask him every question under the sun and i think i would just learn so much on politics on everything so i like i love it not to Amer- mention my my, my my daughter's kind of a, a mini like uh, community activist you know she's kind of into that kind of thing so That's maybe great. it also tuned me on to it as well so uh, she wants to do political science and that kind of stuff so uh, it turned me on
1: very cool uh where would you want to go eat with them
0: Oh, I'm really flexible there. I mean, I really, uh, uh South beach. I like it. That'd be <laughs> it's sweet. Just I love South beach. Yeah. Get down, you know, get down <laughs>
1: into the sun. Uh, you know, enjoy, enjoy the, uh, the vibes of, of, uh, Miami and Florida. I'm down with it. That'd be absolutely. I'm, uh, right now it is hot and humid in Charleston, South Carolina. So I'll, I'll find any excuse. Even if I'm going to Florida, it is not as bad as, uh, it's not as bad as Charleston, South Carolina right now. Uh, so I would take that right now as about uh, right now as well. Well, we were going to talk in uh, about two things today, which uh, I'm pumped. So one, I think comes up quite a bit in our community. And, you know, I think customer health is uh, maybe the top it's, maybe is like one of three topics that gets talked about over and over and over. And people have so many different opinions on it, you know, uh, frontwards and backwards. But, um, you know, I think that the thing maybe that I see in our community quite a bit, and I'm curious from your perspective is that, um, I think over time the health scores tend to get more complex. You kind of try to add too much. It tries to become too much to your company. And so all of a sudden you're starting to think, oh, now I've got, you know, maybe it starts with five metrics, but now I've got six and seven, now it's 10 or 12. And I'm, you know, by the end of it, it's, it's kind of like your CSM team might be feeling like, I don't even know how to impact this health score, you know, one way or the other. And so uh, like, what is this really, really telling me? So I'm curious if you've come across that yourself, like, have you um, had to kind of keep your health scores at any of your companies that you've worked in? Have you tried to keep them, you know, somewhat uh, manageable and actionable and and maybe how have you, how have you gone about doing that?
0: Yeah, I, I went through this exercise, or I'm actually in the middle of this exercise of overhauling it a bit because uh, we had a customer. They didn't exactly churn, but they certainly, um, you know, reduced usage significantly. And we had a green, you know, as the the health score, you know, traffic light uh, system. There was a high high score, and I just thought we were totally blindsided. So whatever we were, you know, looking at uh, was not enough, and we really didn't get into um, the value of our software, and in our case, it dealt with things like certain accuracy and certain feedback, they weren't considering. We were looking at more technical elements, right? You know, we see our adoption going up, and I think that's always like a, a, a false uh, a set of confidence. Say, oh, the adoption's going up, that's great. And then it's gonna drop off, right? Or you don't have any severity one tickets uh, raised. And you talk to some customers, they don't like raising the tickets because they know we're going to ask them a whole bunch of questions. We kind of put some homework on them, probably by design, um, to make sure they've given us the information, logs, whatever. And they don't want to do all that work. So they just hold back. But unfortunately, they're dissatisfied. They're having a pain point. You're not aware of it. They're not expressing it to you, and it's just bubbling up. So that lack of tickets, I almost wish I could have something where there's no tickets that should be a red flag, right? Something, something's going wrong there, right? Everyone has um, some issue there. And, you know, in the nature of our software, we kind of have like this heartbeat concept where we can kind of figure out the health of our software. It took us a while to get that implemented, but it's a great tool. And I'm trying to like use that like crazy now to kind of see, you know, how, how it's uh, performing. So not just adoption, but also how's the heartbeat. And I think you have to look at all these things, analyze it, figure out your, your baseline, if you will, and then you start to see, okay, this is where I'm coming off. And then there's also some of the financial uh, metrics there and there's other parts of usage. I think many times we get stuck into maybe one use case and you forget about some other, you know, um, adjacent uh, areas of your solution, whether it's more reporting and APIs and interfaces, that kind of thing versus something the end user might engage with. So if you're only focused on one, you're missing on the others. Again, those can be indicators that it's going down. So in, in our perspective, I thought we had a, a, a big miss there. And I said, okay, we have to, I'd rather you know, almost start fresh and do ground up exercise. And here are the six six or seven metrics that we're going to follow there. We're going to do it quasi manually. And then we can work with our reporting teams and help us you know, automate things and monitor this, but I always, um, you know, kind of do the franchise model, right. You kind of got to go through all the steps yourself first, Yep. you know, and then you can automate it and and all of that. Right. But I, I don't want that case again where we're thinking everything's all rosy and then they say, Hey, we're, we're putting a pause on this and, and so forth.
1: Yeah. There's a couple of great points that I wanted to kind of pull out of what you, you said one. Um, I think your last point is something that I've, I've really noticed a lot over the last number of years, um, and I, I think too, I think I see people struggle with this, which is trying to automate things too early. I think like you just said, right? You kind of, Hey, let's go, let's go put this together. Let's do the first couple by hand. Let's kind of validate that this is the right thing. Let's, you know, let's run it by some people. Let's get some more perspectives. Like I, I think sometimes people just uh, almost automatically jump to, Hey, we've already got the tool in place. We've already got all this stuff going in. We might as well just start automating. And I think sometimes that can be a detriment because you're not really giving yourself the time maybe to think um, ahead of time to say, okay, what are the right metrics? How do I validate those? Um, do they easily make sense to our teams? How can we go kind of pull this together? So I think that was, a, I think that's just a big point, maybe just to reinforce for people is that there is, I think an opportunity for you to go do it by hand first to then go automate in the future where you can, um, you also then, I think go, by going through the the manual version, I think you also are just closer to the data. You're closer to the, right? Once you start automating, it kind of, you kind of get one step removed and then you might sure. run into challenges down the road and then you're trying to, to figure it out. And so I think just doing that, I think is a, a big step and something that um, I've definitely realized a lot over the last number of years and seen in um, our consulting work and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and I've noticed that sometimes your automation breaks down, right? And the worst thing is you don't know it, right? Yeah. You're, just, you're just believing, right? And so you don't know how to go back and check those things out. You know, I'm not saying to become a data scientist or something, but you just go to go through some of the steps there and say, okay, I see. I, I agree. It's it's still green on that front there. That's That one's still yellow. I, I understand all of that. So I think you have to make sure, you know, you go through all those steps. It reinforces the learning. I'm, I'm very big on you know your pillars of knowledge and making sure you you, you got all your uh, uh your your functional your technical your industry knowledge to help that because I think then you're in that position to ultimately advise your your customer.
1: Yeah, the other point that um, I like that you were kind of talking through as well, and I, I don't know if you explicitly said this, but I think you were um, alluding to it is also that the fact that um, you really have to get beyond the product metrics. Like I think sometimes people use that as a crutch, you know, and it's. Like you said, hey, you know, all of a sudden um, we are, I think it, it worked in, in kind of, or maybe it worked in the reverse way here in your scenario, right? You kind of said, hey, the product, we were actually decreasing usage and our, our thing was still green. But that's why we need to go revamp it. But I think also I've seen that in reverse where people sometimes almost over-index and, you know, the, the usage metrics make up 90 to 95% of their score. And then it's like, well, there's so many other elements, you know, you start thinking about in customer Absolutely. success. Uh, and the two maybe that come to mind that I've thought about quite a bit, um, especially in my role, I now lead our customer community. So this one is, um, probably near, near to my heart, but, um, one is, is how can we, are we getting that contact engaged? And I think like you, like you had mentioned as well, there's education programs that they should be going through. There's the customer community that you should be involved in. Are they in the knowledge base reading? Like those are just three that I feel like you've got such control over. Cause normally somebody on your customer success team is probably owning those systems and those tools, right? It's typically your your knowledge base, your customer community, and then your your academy and training site. And so if we can just make sure that data is uh, being collected and flowing, then I think, again, you kind of see, well, are they just engaging with the CSM and then never doing anything on their own or vice versa? Like, are they only doing stuff on their own and they're not engaging with the CSM if there is one? And so I think of that quite a bit, kind of the self-service Uh, Are we capturing that in a way that we can at least just kind of give a a yes or no type answer of whether or not they're utilizing it to some degree? And then I think the second part of that is that relationship with the CSM. Like, how can we, um, I think we've seen recently maybe standardizing maybe a one through five scale of, okay, how would you rate your relationship with this person from one, never, never talked to that person ever to five, you know, this person has my cell phone number and we text all the time. Like, how can we, how can we start to standardize some of our relationships that we have um, and then, you know, can we do that at a contact level so that we can kind of see where our big gaps that we have maybe at this customer where it's like, Hey, we've got a lot of users, but we don't have an executive sponsor. Like we need to figure out how to go get that. So those are the two I wanted to call out maybe from personal yeah, experience I, recently.
0: I totally agree. I think, um, I have a tendency to bring on CSMs with very strong project management skills and they don't necessarily have, um, as strong in the technical or the functional, not functional, um, industry yeah. uh, knowledge as well. And then you kind of grow and you you learn that, right? But very strong, you know, you know PM um, skills there. So it's very great during the onboarding implementation aspect, you know, hands down, they they, they, they get the solution uh, going with our customers, get it integrated, you know, do uh, change control, you know, manage scope creep and all and make sure we just stay on track. But then after that, right, these are people that kind of need that, uh, that driver to say, okay, now, now you're looking to figure out how are they going to uh, increase their usage? How are they going to kind of evolve and grow with the platform? Because requirements change, right? Maybe when you yep. started off in this journey, they thought of this one primary use case, but now the business, the market, you know, it's kind of moved a little bit. So the software has to hopefully go along with that. And then you're the conduit as a CSM. You're the kind of get that information, come back, work with product manager, so forth, and make sure we stay aligned, we stay close, we stay relevant, you know, that that we're we're, we're there. And that takes uh, continuous knowledge, right? Continuous knowledge of your, your client's business, of your client's market, where they're going, of course, as well as that technical knowledge. So you're moving way beyond, you know, that onboarding and that implementation piece that kind of got you there to launch. Now it's after because many times the customer figures, Hey, I've learned it now. I've been trained. I'm onboarded. I don't really don't need you anymore. Right. Unless there's a problem. Right. And that's what you don't want. You don't want, you want to be proactive and ahead of the curve uh, on them, right. Or at least giving them some of those insights. Right. So yeah. you have to know your roadmap backwards and forwards. You have to start learning their industry. So what I've been doing with my team is saying, listen, we're going to focus on this continuous improvement. We're going to do these trainings here. I'm making it mandatory for you. Maybe it's more technical track for you. You know, maybe it's more uh, CSM courses to improve your functional skills. But for almost everybody, it's always the industry, right? Because none of you, I didn't hire industry experts uh, on the team. Sometimes you pivot, right? As a company, you started here and you pivot a little bit over here, right? So, uh, you know, it's okay, I think, to get that later sometimes, depending on your company. And so that's where... You know, I'm making all the teams start to go through that and and really improve that business knowledge. It helps in the communication, and I think that will help with the uh, continuous engagement. You know, you know, post launch and and adding more value.
1: Yeah, there. Um, I love the the way you break down the the different types of skill sets that you know you kind of need in order to be a CSM as well, right? Kind of making sure and saying, hey, let's kind of use these as a way to make sure we're kind of rounding out your experience, right? We want you to be. I think, proverbially, you want to double down on your strengths uh, for the most part. I think everybody talks about that. But I think you also need to be kind of um, at least serviceable in the other areas, right? You need to be able to um, hold your own with the customer, be able to make sure that we're still driving them forward. Uh, so I love that that point that you just called out. The other thing that just reminded me of, too, I've talked a little bit about this with our teams recently, is um, you know I think there's a tendency when you start going through implementation and onboarding people, I think there's... This tendency to, to kind of throw everything at them up front, right? Hey, we want them. And I think I think that comes from a misnomer of um, time to value. Like I think in some yep. cases, well, the only way you can get value is if I train you to hundred percent and that's when you're going to get value. And then, you know, the product's implemented. So like you can go do everything that you need to. And I think the thing that we're trying to, to do is start spacing out to say, they're not going to retain information in that, you know, they're not going to retain hundred percent of what we're trying to teach them in that first like little bit. So we need to, how can we kind of pair that back and figure out, okay, as customers kind of systematically go through this, right. We're implementing the product. Okay. What is the, what is the human aspect? What does the person need to be doing in terms of onboarding? Uh, what are some of those key moments that we know need to happen, but let's start kind of pulsing or giving that inf- them that information over time. Um, yeah. Because I think the other thing that it brings into is now the CSM has something of value that they can continue to give over time, right? They don't like, if we're training the person hundred percent up front, then the CSMs kind of, uh, you know, always, yeah, you, always going back. You and saying, use hey, all you the arrows that? in the
0: quiver, right? Yes. You're, 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 you're empty now. Right. So, and it, it's not like you're really holding back, but just like you said, there's almost so much that a customer is going to take and they're, they're focused. They usually have a few key use cases that they're focused on, maybe just one. Right. And so let's get successful. That one thing, let's get that out there. And then here's the next milestone. Let's discuss that in the QBR and, and here's what's next. So they kind of see that plan because they may need to, on the customer side, bring in other people, you know, because many yep. times there's a handoff, right? There's a handoff to some uh, project team or someone who, who lives with you for a while, and then it, it may move to another support organization or whatever, and that the business owner, those original stakeholders who wanted that transformation, you know, for this, this solution, you know, they're kind of out of pocket, right? Until there is a QBR or something. This yeah. gives you a chance to kind of, you know, in, engage, right? So, of course, you're going to have those those technical stakeholders, and, and they usually will stay engaged, but they're not always the decision makers. They're not always setting the direction, you know, not always, depends on your organization or the customer. But um, this way, you can still engage those other business owners uh, in the process.
1: Yeah, yeah. The uh, arrows in the quiver. I just wrote that down because I, I want to use that. That's a good um, analogy. You said, you know, you kind of get rid of them at the beginning. Um, but I think the other thing you were talking down a little bit earlier, you said you've kind of narrowed it down for yourself, maybe to six or seven kind of core components that you want to make sure uh, that were, we're going down. So for you, for your, I guess for the process that you're about to go through next, is it, um, how, how are you kind of envisioning getting that into a repeatable way i guess are you going to look and say we're, hey, can we we're consistently- defining
0: a playbook around it i think that's nice. kind of the best way to do it so we're defining a playbook around it and i'm you know kind of personally teaching them all to do it the same consistent way um so at least it doesn't get too i know it's going to vary <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, uh there uh some of our customers have different use cases and, and and so forth um but at least the same you know process to get the metrics in and then, you know, we'll see how that goes over a quarter. We're going to put into our OKRs of how we're, you know, achieving that. And, you know, maybe the next quarter or maybe two quarters after that, we can look into some better automation. But I want to kind of slow it down and get the, uh, the process right, you know, yeah. and, 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 and then kind of uh, analyze it, review it, see if it's accurate, see if it's improving. And then we can turn on the automation and so forth. So that's what we're going to do with the CSMs.
1: Yeah, I love the other. Um, again, inherently, you're also making the CSMs a part of this process, right? You're. Um, I think sometimes we've seen where people might build a a score in kind of a black box or in the background. You know, they're kind of building it with one other person, and then they kind of roll it out, and then the team just feels like, "Hey, I wasn't really included. I don't really know what this is or how this is going to be impacted." But like you said, building some playbooks around it and getting them, um, you know, consistently doing this for a month two quarter or one month, two months, three months, or maybe two quarters, whatever the number ends up being. Now you've inherently are starting to get their buy-in because it's kind of like, hey, this isn't an end-all be-all. This is like, hey, we're, we're kind of rolling this out. We're testing it, but tell me where the where are the gaps, right? Where does the process not make sense? You know, which metrics maybe aren't as reliable than we need, or how do we go improve that? But if you can make them a part of that process, then you've got total buy-in. Like once you do automate it, it's, it's hey, you you had Absolutely. the opportunity to kind of get involved and speak up, right? And so it's, it's kind of, um, you know, just giving them, the, um, maybe empowerment to say, Hey, this is the time for you to, to help us kind of evolve this before we automate it and get it into a system. Like we need to make sure we're all kind of on the same page.
0: Absolutely. I think, uh, uh you, you definitely get better, better buy-in there. And also I think things will evolve, right? I think we're going to find out, Hey, you know, maybe, Let's change, let's talk about some better weighting with these metrics, Sean. You know, it, you were thinking, you know, that weighting because of that experience shaped you one direction. Let's let's adjust that, fine-tune that, or give me a little control over that weighting. I know this customer a little better, you know, and and, and they're a little different. So I think the weighting should be a little different for them. So I'm and I'm totally open uh, to that feedback. I just kind of uh, want that continuous improvement in our processes and our people across yeah. the
1: world. Yeah. Well, I think too the other the other thing, um, at least that I've I've learned learned and, and maybe thought about as it's kind of shaped my mentality around customer health scores as well as um, is trying to make sure that that CSMs don't get scared of red accounts. You know, I think sometimes it's like, a, you know, hey, I've got all, you know maybe I've got a couple red accounts. What does that really mean? Is it you know kind of a reflection on me? Like what's happening? And um, I mean, I think that there is time to kind of go through that discussion and that thought process, right? But I think, hey. Whether the account is red, yellow, or green, um, what we want to try and do is: can we diagnose what's what's wrong with it, and then what are the what are the steps to improvement? Like, I think um, a lot of times when you talk to executives, right, they're they're kind of less worried about. I mean, they are worried about the red accounts, but they're maybe they're more worried, or that what they're looking for is, hey, what's the path back to green? Like, how do we exactly. anticipate taking them from a red to a yellow, yellow to a green, um, and give us a realistic timeline? Right, like, hey, what, how does that happen over time? And so, I think as CSMs, you know, that are out there as well, just kind of getting into that mindset, you know, of, Hey um, it's not just solely a reflection of me. If this customer is in red, like there are you know, lots of factors. And so, you know, like you mentioned earlier though, Sean, Hey, I'm a, I'm a conduit to our business here. And if I'm looking at this, what are the pro- appropriate steps that we need to take in order to get this back to green? And just, if you can consistently come with that mentality um, you know, you're going to be really valuable to, to your, your leaders in the customer success organization. Cause I think at the end of the day too, one of the metrics that you typically will start to see is, Hey, what percent of our customers are in red, what percent are in yellow, what percent are in green, and then how does that transition over time, right? How will we kind of shape exactly. that with our experiences over time?
0: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, one thing that's gonna come out, the next part is, you know, yeah, how do we address what, you know, these yellows and getting them from yellow to green or from red to green and so forth? How do we move them up the stack? Uh, so okay, case, um, so we can hopefully look at the, the good model customer and say, okay, here's how we fixed it over there. Maybe that can apply across the board, that's the instruction. That's the play for whenever you have this situation, right? Adoption is low. Here's what we do. They're not using this dashboard. Here's what we do. You know, we know exactly what the steps are to. we think we will correct it. If we get all these things corrected, they should be green, right? So
1: yeah, that's yeah, the idea. exactly. It sounds easy enough, right? Hey, let's just, it, does. Uh, it, let's it, just... it sounds great in
0: theory. <laughs> it does sound so great in theory.
1: I know you mean, um, well, I know in the last couple of minutes, I was just curious, again, it's been. I try to look for things that are popping up in our community and, and hopefully kind of bring them into the, the audio for, form, so to speak. And, and one thing that's caught my eye recently, there's been a couple of discussion threads going around just about um, dormant customers kind of, hey, I've got a customer and maybe they're using the product, but they're they're kind of not opening marketing emails. They're not in our customer community. They're not responding to our CSM. But you know, almost like what you were saying earlier. Seemingly, that customer is okay. Like not, you they're know, paying. They're yeah, paying, they're paying. Right? They're, they're paying. using the products, yeah. um, but they're just not engaging with our teams and uh, in the ways that we we would hope. And so, again, I'm curious. Have you come across a scenario like that with some, some customers? And uh, I don't know. Have you, got, have you? Do you have any ideas that you've kind of kicked around to say, "Hey, how can we kind of get in front of this customer and kind of revive this relationship?"
0: I found that it's nothing. You, at least for us, it wasn't anything internal. Right? They they, they kind of felt hey, we understand your product. Thank you. You, you, know, you implemented it well. You helped us implement it well. And we're using it. And we don't want to meet up for a QBR. We don't want to meet up for the, we, you know, we're good, right? And we're, we're paying and, you know, you should, you should be happy, right? And uh, and that's never good enough, right? I Never. Um, I, I find what seems to catch their attention is external, right? So if they see an adjacent customer having some tremendous success, all of a sudden, you get their attention, right? And then they want to figure out, oh, A, does that apply to me? Are they using the same use case as me? Um, can I follow that or something like that? And hopefully that's the case. So you have to kind of get those cases ready. And then I think that's what you show for, just show to that customer. It's less, I mean, maybe it's your roadmap, maybe there's some upcoming feature capability uh, uh, there, but they may just say, well, I assume that's coming, or a great software company, SaaS company, I'm going to get that regardless. But when I start seeing, you know, either in uh, not direct competitors, I obviously, but maybe competitors in other markets and other regions, and I can follow that process and you helped enable that Zen drive. Excellent. Help me get to that level of success. Then I'm willing to take your call. Then we can have the, Oh, was that in the QBR? You should have led with that, Sean. That, that's what I want to discuss with you. Right. Yeah. And then you can follow up with all your, your features and your, your roadmap and, all that great stuff, your thought leadership, but you need, I think that external validation. That's what they, I think more mature customers are looking at, right? How is the rest of the market doing? How are they using your product? How is it helping them improve their business? How is it transforming their business? And was it similar to me? And can I follow that path?
1: Yeah. Um, you hit on a point that I try and harp on a lot, and probably ad nauseum recently, just because it's just in my mind, I've, I've actually had requests for QBRs because of a couple of tools that I kind of own here at higher logic. And I'm just like, you know, man, are your bearings off right now? Like, that's the last thing I want to be doing. Like, you know, like, can you, like you said, can you kind of provide some external validation first? Can you give me a couple of nuggets of value? And then I'll, then I'll come to the meeting. The, the thing I, I talk about in Harpon is. You know, on average, I don't know. Given the tool, right? But maybe our customer spends thirty percent of their time in our tool. Maybe forty percent. Maybe twenty. But like, you know, a lot of times the tools that we have, there. I mean, our, our customers are just moving from tool to tool. They're they're kind of in and out. They're you know doing so many different things. Um, and so I always am trying to preach and harp on the the our customer in our contact maybe isn't in our tool 60 to 70% of their time. So what, what are they doing with the rest of their time? Right? Like what are the types of things that they have to do on a regular basis? You know, they're probably having internal meetings, they're dealing with their own customers. Um, and so like, if you start thinking about some of these through some of these scenarios, like, just like you mentioned, like, what's going to be really valuable for them, um, insights that they don't currently have today, um, a way to, to help share that information internally that makes it easy for them to do. Um, and a couple other things. So, I would, when I was a, a CSM, uh, one way that I would try and go interact and engage with some, some dormant customers, maybe, or, or try and kind of get in front of them, I would ask them for their PowerPoint template as a way, as a kind of a nondescript way to reach out. I'd just, you know, hey, hey, um, Sean, do you mind kicking me over your PowerPoint template for your business? Um, I wanted to throw a couple of slides together. Um, about our progress that we've made and things that are happening, but I wanted to put it in your template because you're gonna have to go share this internally. So you know, let's yeah. kind of, let's let's kind of screw my lo- my logo and branding right now because I know you know you need to go tell the story. Uh, and so that was kind of a, a way maybe to catch people off guard because they weren't really expecting me just reach out randomly, one sentence email it just kind of says, "Hey, do you mind shooting me, shooting me over your PowerPoint template? I'm putting some slides together for you." Um, so that was one tactic I used as a CSM, and it almost without a doubt, to your point, like I think people said yes to it because I was just giving them slides and I would try and make them extremely valuable. It would be kind of, Hey, how far have we come with our product? What are we really enabling your business to do? And then what are some market insights? And it was just three slides that I would try and throw together. Um, and that was just a really, again, kind of a, a surefire way to again, kind of maybe catch them off guard in a good way. Hey, me your PowerPoint template, I'm going to put something of value together for you that you can go use. Uh, so that was just one I've used that you kind of triggered on, uh, and hit on for me.
0: Well, I'm going to copy that. I'm, gonna, I'm I'll share that with my team. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, uh, and I tend to, Uh, if I showed you the email, uh, the email I would use, you know, it's kind of just so straightforward and simple. You're just kind of like, oh man, like no other context. You added. I was like, nope, just like one sentence. Here you go. Uh, So I'll try and revive that somewhere and share it with you if I can. But that was, that was one way. Um, I'm curious for you too. You kind of mentioned, you know, that when you start thinking about engaging these customers and, and trying to give them some sort of, you know, market analysis or ways that other ways that customers are using your product. I think that was another really good one that, you talked about and that's another thing you know that leaders want to see um but when you're kind of coaching your teams on uh maybe qbr playbooks or if you guys have you know regular recurring meetings with customers are there a couple of like surefire slides that you know you're kind of getting in there like you said early earlier or, or yeah. early on after your experience that you just early mentioned that example
0: it's, it's the uh insight so we our softwares are driving analytics type software so the key thing I, I push, even from the, the, the pre-sale process, ultimately through, you know, uh, uh, adoption and beyond, is getting those insights, right? And, and that we have we have tons of great internal reports and so forth. And the team, you're so busy fighting fires, you don't like look at those internal things to get those nuggets of wisdom. I, I think look, like, all the data is right there in front of you. You have to just kind of keep analyzing it. And if, If you're probably not watching as much, maybe the customer isn't either. either. So you have to go back and and make them aware of these pieces there and show them those those pearls. And, you know, one of those insights may hit, right? And especially if it hit over in this customer profile, well, if you have the same persona in your other uh, uh, customer, try it over there as well. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I, I tell them, you know, partner up with product management, get some of that functional knowledge, get some of those insights as well, and then bring it back to to the customer. They don't want to. they don't want to talk because they don't see the value. It, it just it's just that it's that simple. They don't see the, the additional value. They may get the value from the product; it's working as you sold it, yep. and that's fine. But they don't get the additional value. So you you need to show that, and then they're going to call you. Then they're going to say. I have to think through this problem. I got a scenario. Can you possibly do this? And once you've opened that door a little bit, I think you have that credibility. And many times people don't have confidence. Um, And so I think if you get a lot of that knowledge, you feel more competent and you'll be more confident, right? And then you're going to go out there very confidently and talking about some other things they can do, uh, adjacent use case, so forth, what other customers are doing, roadmap, all those things. And then a customer is going to listen. They're going to pay attention to that. So I, I think for us, it's usually they're not ignoring us. They're, they're dormant in the sense that they don't want to meet and and go through. But if you know if there's an issue, of course they'll call up that kind of thing. So I said you have to show uh, show the value. They have yeah. all the analytics. We know our data better than they do, probably. So we have to give them that insight before they've they've uncovered it. Yeah. Work, work with the product teams, build your knowledge, talk to the data scientists, folks. There's very smart people in the companies, I'm sure, you know, and, and get get those nuggets there. And then you present that to your customer.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'll, the last point I'll, I'll, uh, I'll leave here, too, that I think about quite a bit, especially from, from some of my days, is that if you can become really good at analysis, if you can become really good at taking some of the data and building and architecting the story, and doing that on a slide in a very, co, co, uh, I was going to say cohe- coherent, but I meant succinct. In a succinct way, that's where, I think that's also where you, you get, you find that customers are reaching back out to you because they're realizing that that's a, oh man, that was a, a really good kind of insider nugget you put in there. And it wasn't just kind of regurgitating a, a, a metric from a, a graph that I'm already looking at. It was like, you know, there Something was some new. sort of hypothesis behind it. There was some sort of analysis about why it changed you know, maybe there was some opinion that we dropped in there, but, or maybe there was some market analysis. Hey, it moved because of these market changes or things that we're noticing. So like, I think the more you can get, again, if I'm thinking out there at CSMs and like you said earlier, some of the, the skill sets that you look for on that trifecta, like analysis can become such a really, really good weapon for you of, Hey, I can, I can really get in front of my customers because I'm giving them something that, um, again, they feel like a shareable internally at their company. That's typically when you find Somebody's reaching back out to you about slides you build or analysis that you have or reports, because you were really good at taking that and applying it to their business. And then saying, you know, then they, then they took those insights and they shared it internally. And and that's where you're going to get that validation. So
0: think about what excites you, right? You saw it presented in some slide, you know, that you didn't see before. And you said, Oh, wow, I wish I had that slide. Right. So you work on even in our, with our own community, build up this repertoire of different slides everyone has different data and different ways of presenting it but maybe that's the more insightful thing that works for your your uh, customer base right that will work for you and i think as a csm you make it your own when you you get that data from your product your engineering team and you ask those questions you you put yourself in the mind of the customer right you and you're going to say okay here's my why here's my question i'm going to you know formulate my own way and then you presented, I, I think it will break through the noise. Like you say, get the customer's template <laughs> even better. Right. Yep. So um, it works. Exactly.
1: I like it. Awesome. Well, Sean, I uh, appreciate you hopping on today. It's been fun just to navigate and kind of talk through a little bit of health score, you know, trying to make sure we, we still keep it um, actionable, you know, make sure that we can really then try and figure out a repeatable process and uh, just talking through a couple of ways, maybe think about some dormant customers, how do you get back in front of them? So if people want to find more of you, Uh, where do you, where, where should they go?
0: Uh, I'm available on LinkedIn. I, uh, uh, I will definitely try to respond to every, uh, every post there, but that's the best way to seek me out.
1: Awesome. Cool. Sean Fleming over on, uh, on LinkedIn and uh, we'll have to have you back. I think there's, you probably got some more uh, nuggets of wisdom in there that we can, uh, we can pull out. So we'll have to make it happen soon.
0: Thanks, Jeff. I'm learning from you.